0: Welcome back to The Exchange Podcast. My name is Sabrina Parker, and I created The Exchange Podcast to speak with business leaders, entrepreneurs, and creatives from around the world. Join me as I have meaningful conversations with those who inspire me, and who I hope will inspire you too. For this episode, I'm so grateful to be joined by Ashley Johnson, a social media manager at Beats by Dre. Prior to working for Beats and Apple out of Los Angeles, she worked for the fashion retailer Just Fab, the cosmetics brand Function of Beauty, and a talent agency called Talent Resources. Ashley spent her early career working in New York City for luxury fashion houses like Gucci, Max Mara, and Dolce & Gabbana. A seasoned social media marketer, Ashley has a plethora of experience in the fashion, beauty, and tech spaces. In our conversation, we talked about social media marketing, how her job has changed with the rise of video content and influencers, and how she leveraged her fashion background in the tech world. So, hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So, for anyone who doesn't know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, so uh, my name is Ashley Johnson, and I am a social media marketing manager, currently at Apple for the Beats by Dre account, and... I literally live, breathe everything that involves influencers, storytelling, content creation um, is kind of all my, my wheelhouse. Um, I love it. I love anything that's marketing. So I love storytelling. So it's definitely uh, my wheelhouse.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, and then for your role specifically at Apple, could you walk us through some of your daily responsibilities there?
1: Yeah. So for me being at Apple, um, I'm really in charge of making sure that we have a really strong strategy um, especially when we're approaching certain platforms and especially everyone knows TikTok is blowing up uh, it's the place to be and we definitely want to make sure that we're telling our brand story on that platform to the best of our ability teaming up with creators that we feel speak really closely and identify well with the brand so that's kind of a really big thing for us as well um we love to be And kind of any and everywhere where that cool accessory that you bring with you, whether you're going to the gym or whether you're out with friends, maybe you're shopping, um, kind of Beats is always there for you to provide that just awesome music sound for you and kind of be that, that piece to help you get through your day. I feel like there's kind of all of us have that in us where we've got to listen to a podcast or music or something during the day. So I just, to me, Beats is kind of just like a piece of how you do your daily life. So for me, it's really making sure we tell that story and in making sure we have a cool strategy, making sure when we are having these cool um, things come out that it's being showcased um, properly on certain channels, Instagram, TikTok, and, you know, letting everybody know we're definitely the OGs in this space and um, consider ourselves to be the cool kids on the block. So yeah, sure that's up kept and, and shows on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, wherever we are, YouTube, YouTube shorts, um, that you feel that for beats.
0: Mm-hmm. And are you involved sort of just consistently with social media and kind of day to day? It's pretty much the same work or is it a little bit different from time to time with projects?
1: Yeah, definitely different um, with different projects and different things going on, which is what I love um, about being at Beats. Excuse me. Um, Coming from fashion and beauty, totally different world, totally different um, product, vibe, audience. And it's really, really cool. So I love the fact that um, I'm able to learn something every day. I am so in tune with athletes now and sports, um, always have been with music and culture. So just having that fuse together is really, really cool. Um, so I feel like my days definitely vary. Um, you know, sometimes we're focusing on TikTok and we're coming up with the strategy going forward for the month or two, or we're kind of building out what we want our content to be, influencers that we're really interested in. And then others, it could be really, um, you know, kind of that day-to-day planning and making sure that you're kind of thinking ahead, looking at what's working, what's not working, kind of peeking a look at those analytics and kind of seeing, you know, what are we doing right? What are our successes and wins? But also like, what are our failures? What can we work on? And not really consider anything a failure. It's more of, okay, we tested something and it didn't work. So what can we do better? What was our learning from that? So to me, it's always kind of a learning. It's never really a fail. So I feel like I definitely have that up and down of a week. But I love that. I mean, there's always so many things going on on social too, right? You really have to be always on. So,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned that you came from fashion. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Um, But I was wondering kind of going into tech and going into a company that's very different from a fashion brand. Has there been anything that surprised you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Whether it's kind of, it's kind of a few things. It's a lot of like how they choose to work with certain influencers or creators um, or athletes or anything like that to kind of the processes of how we choose to do those things. Um, being in fashion and beauty, there's kind of a, it's, it's very much everywhere on TikTok. You always see beauty content, you always see makeup and, and hair and things like that. So it's almost a little easier to kind of be in that beauty space and have the, that hat and thinking cap on. And so I really had to switch that up when it came to Beats and really be a little more outside with my thinking and and, you know, like these are... Athletes. These are the kids that love to dress up. These are the kids that like to, you know, be creators that are creators themselves that, you know, that are on the field or on the mat or, you know, in the locker room and are really um, putting beats to the test and are really that core customer. So it was really um, understanding the the new audience that I was working for and and who I'm, I'm catering to now versus with beauty, I kind of lived and breathed it as well. I knew it like the back of my hand, I kind of knew the girlies to look out for, the influencers to reach out to, and I really had to build up that muscle when I came to these different spaces. And I found myself with having a new love of creators now and a new love of athletes that I hadn't, that I wasn't maybe paying attention or following that much. So um, definitely growing and learning. Um, hopefully that answered your question.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and then also being within social media marketing, do you kind of work closely with other teams within Beats or Apple or are you kind of just solely within your team?
1: So I think for every role that I've had, I social is that kind of the little island in the middle. And we have to reach out to have like we have to have the boats come into our island to bring everything to us. So like you're always meeting with the brand team. You're always meeting with the strategy team. You're always meeting with the paid team. You know, what ads are we running? What content can we run those ads on? The influencer team, hey, this is who we approve. This is who the content we want to create or reach out to for. So it's really um, a play in every hand. Social is that storytelling element to the marketing team, to the brand team, to the Um, to the retail stores, if it happens that way, like I said, coming from textile. So, you know, we had brands that had retail stores, so making sure that same story is told there. So it's, uh, I feel like no matter what, social is definitely going to have that piece where they're going to touch everything, you know, whether it's on website, you're going to scroll to the bottom and see that Instagram icon, or whether you're on Instagram, and you're about to tap to shop, you know, it's all kind of leads back to social. So it's inevitable that we have of a play in each part of the plan and the process
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and just to move into your experience within beauty and within fashion um you worked for function of beauty which is a hair care brand i was wondering if you could explain kind of what you did there and if it was in any way different from what you do now
1: yeah definitely a little bit different at function of beauty i was the um, social media manager but i feel like this also varies depending on your role a social media manager can be a thousand different things So for Function of Beauty, it was a lot about the storytelling um, and about the having the cool content continuously pumping out. They had a story with hair and with hair, there's so many different types, right? There's all the way to kinky, coily, forsy hair to really straight or really thick hair. So it was how do we tell this Function of Beauty story to encompass all these hair types? And so they wanted to bring in and have a social media manager that was Able to kind of bring that to life. So, you know, whether we've done a campaign where it was kind of talking about your crown, which you would call your, you know, your hair is your crown, and like having different girls with different hair types kind of tell their story. And that was a series that I was able to run on Function of Beauty, which really also allowed us to have that education piece as to why our products work for every hair type, as to why we chose to go the custom route. And you can, how having a custom hair care line is really, really, really tailored to your hair type and really tailored to you and how that can benefit you in your hair growth and your hair journey. So um, it was really about bringing to life and that education piece, but also storytelling piece for Function of Beauty. And for me, that really was able to, I really exercised that muscle so well that now that when I do look at a piece of content, I have that in the back of my mind. You know, what story are we telling? Who is this piece of content made for? is what we needed to do coming across to them does it make sense do they understand how to use the product do they get that it's custom do does that make them excited you know if if this isn't it too exciting what things that we know that they love does make them excited and how can we include that more which for function of beauty it was the stickers that you would put on your customizable bottle so we would ramp it up and be like, okay, cool, let's give them new stickers you know, every new launch or every new set and have them have something more excited to keep coming back every month and redesigning and recustomizing their bottles to match for their hair care and um, really being able to bring that to life on Instagram. And I've, I've been able to use that, that muscle in every role that I've had.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know while you were there, you were able to generate desirable user-generated content or UGC. I was wondering kind of how you ensured um, quality UGC, because that's something that's really interesting to me. Obviously, it's something that resonates with people maybe more deeply than something that's kind of uh, at a photo shoot. But I was wondering how you were able to achieve that.
1: Definitely. Good question. I'd say the content brief is a huge, huge thing that um, I took a lot of time into making sure I was detailed about because I felt like that was able to... It's really your intro to them being like, okay, this is the type of content that you create that I love. This is what we need from you. So I would give an example, whether it's something I would quickly film in the office, um, whether it's just showing them how we want them to hold their phone up. So, you know, it avoids, certain glares or being filmed maybe we wanted something really we were focused on the waist up so I would kind of position like okay when you're doing your editing here's where we want it to be if there's going to be a title leaving space at the top so having those markers in the brief so they would be able to understand like okay this is how they want it to be shot, this is the type of uh, content I can make, but also still giving them that creativity space, right? We're reaching out to them because we already love what they do. So there's the they're the experts. My point is to just infuse our brand content and with the content that they already create that their audience already loves. So I still want them to be able to have that ability and, and excitement to feel like they can re- create really cool content for us, but making sure we're hitting those key points I'm big on kind of having those top three things that I know that they need to mention about the um, process because sometimes it was a little hard for people to understand. It's a subscription. It's monthly. So explaining that and content that went out was super important for us too. So just being very, very thorough in the briefs that I would send out to the girls and, you know, jump on a call. Being cre- content creator myself, it's very much like, hey, let's jump on the call. Let me see what you're, you know, how you're filming it or if you need help, like, oh, Maybe you should shoot a tripod or I could send them a video and be like, oh, this was an example I found on TikTok. You can edit this really quick and cap cut to look like this or, you know, things like that to be able to kind of offer them pointers. But I think the main thing was just making my brief as thorough as possible. So when they got it, they felt confident in what they were being asked of of the brand, but still had that inspiration to be like, "Okay, I can I can take this info and make something really cool.
0: Mm -hmm, Definitely. Um, Then I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about talent resources Um, because you're a social media manager there, which is an influencer marketing agency. I was wondering how your experience has been different working for a brand versus an agency.
1: Wow, so different. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You at an agency are working on several brands or projects at once, um, versus at a brand, I have my top few goals, and I get to kind of hone on in them and make them my main focus. Um, With the agency, it was um, a blessing. And of course, those challenges in a sense of you can only spend a certain amount of time per brand, right? <clears throat> so I'd have a few brands that I love and that I really wanted to pour a lot into, but due to bandwidth and just because I had so many, you can't really do that as much. And so for me, I had um, like personality clients as well as brand clients. So it was a lot of um, different type of work weeks. Sometimes we're on set. Sometimes we're doing PR press days. Um, you know, sometimes we're doing interviews, and I'm there with them the whole day for that when it's a more personality um, kind of role. And then if it's the brand, you know, we're in the office, we're in the meetings. I'm sometimes creating the content a lot myself with textile, a lot of the content for the brands I was creating myself as well. So it was definitely different. I did learn a lot about time management though. Um, That's fully where I credit my time management skills, my organization skills too, because having a lot of accounts to manage and having a lot of personalities to manage, um, it really made me sharp about just being on time, paying attention to due dates. Um, plotting from the timeline in backwards to make sure I leave a bit of buffer time for emails or mishaps or missends or re-edits. You know, anything can happen. Life happens all the time. So I really kind of learned how to navigate a project at um, an agency. So very different. I mean, I've literally pulled different skill sets from each role that I've been able to take to the next one to get me where I am now. So I appreciate them all for what they weren't able to do for me. But yeah, definitely different from a brand and agency. Um, very both them very cool too at the same time, so.
0: Definitely, and earlier on in your career, um, just to go back to fashion specifically, um, you had a wide range of internships at Gucci, Ralph Lauren, Dolce & Gabbana, and Max Mara, to name a few. Um, I was wondering if you had any advice for somebody looking to get experience or internships within fashion.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I went to LIM, which is the Laboratory Institute of Merchandising in New York City. Um, and they were really, really big on us having an internship. So I started interning my freshman year of college, and that's how I've kind of been able to build up that big stack of internships that I was able to have to really build and prep me for a career, but also a career in fashion. So for me, I think the main thing is there's no too small of an internship, and everyone can be a resource and a contact for you. So I think for me, it's – this beautiful tool of LinkedIn, another thing I'm so blessed from Lam to giving me is that they made sure we had LinkedIn profiles when LinkedIn, you know, was kind of fresh. So um, my connections are 500 plus solely because I started that early. So my main thing is get on LinkedIn and put everything that you've done on LinkedIn because I have had so many opportunities with internships um, in that moment solely that came from, LinkedIn. Someone saying, "Hey, your profile looks great. I'm looking for somebody to do this. You know, this internship is in New York City. We've got this for PR or the social department. Would you be interested?" So I'd say that's definitely the first thing um, with LinkedIn, and also like not being afraid to message. <clears throat> and I and I actually love that I see more college students doing this too. Like they're not afraid to message somebody on LinkedIn and be like, "Hey, you're working at my dream spot. I love what you do. You know, do you have a moment? Or can I send my resume?" or taking that initiative step. I mean, the worst is you possibly not hear back and then you move on to the next one, right? So being not afraid to doing that. I love finding a way to get a intro. So if you can um, have that person or you have somebody in mind that might be able to connect you with somebody, reaching out to them and and saying, hey, this is why I want to do this. This is um, why the role means so much to me. Why I think I'm qualified. Do you think you could connect me with the person there? And I could send my resume over to them. Just kind of being a bit more proactive. I think is going to be super helpful in that realm of finding an internship and it's honestly how i found all of those from unpaid to being at sex, being paid fifteen dollars an hour and not minding to work in the summer because i was had an internship and kind of my summer job wrapped into one so all by just not being afraid to reach out and ask i also think Paying attention to those websites, you find the internships on LinkedIn, right, for sure, but definitely going on websites. I know for me, college, I don't want to date myself, but I know like muse.com or find the muse, like that was a big website that I'd find a lot of internships on. So not being afraid to get on there because the cool thing about those websites is they leave direct email links to the person that's doing the hiring. So that's a little easier and cooler sometimes where you might play on LinkedIn and not sure where it's going or you got to kind of find the poster that's not always listed. So, you know, not forgetting about those sites, too, but being a little proactive and just not being afraid to reach out. But for me, number one thing, LinkedIn, for sure. Utilize, connect, 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 and it will definitely you'll see the magic happening after that.
0: hmm. Yeah. And just to talk about kind of specifically what you did in each one, at um, guess. You were a visual replenisher. I was kind of wondering what exactly that was and what you were doing in that role.
1: Yeah, so I was helping the merchandiser, the store merchandiser that would come in and making sure the store kind of kept up with the new looks, the new mannequin switch changes out, the new posters that would go out. Um, This store was on Fifth Avenue. It was a high volume store for them. So there was a lot of changing in the windows. Um, New York City is all about the windows from Bloomingdale's to Bergdorf's to Barney's. Um, when you're on fifth avenue um, especially during christmas was all about the windows so i was um, helping the visual merchandiser kind of go through update the merchandise update how the store might plan might look for certain things we kind of have posters or visuals in the middle of the store that might not be there for a different campaign so i would assist them a lot so it was really me just understanding like I didn't have too much of an interest in merchandising, but I didn't want to mark it off as something I didn't want to do. So the perfect thing for uh, internships is to just try it out and see if it's something you like or don't like. So um, I kind of realized merchandising wasn't really my thing, but I loved who I got to work with and kept them as a connect to try to maybe get to the marketing team or try something else. But it was just a chance to try, like, oh, let me see if I like this. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> internships are the best thing for that. You can see what you like and what you do
0: absolutely yeah Um, and you held the same role as a beauty public relations intern at both dolce and gabbana and gucci i was wondering what you did in each role and maybe how they were similar or different from each other
1: yeah so it was funny with this one it was um they were both being under the same pr agency so i was working on both brands um for the same title and it was for the fragrances um this is really like kind of my first introduction to kind of pr and how that worked how seeding to editors worked, how packaging up everything, a lot of PR boxing, a lot of kind of understanding how to even craft that, what that would look like, how to entice the writers to be encouraged and excited to write about the product, to feature the fragrance. Um, So it was really that first taste of PR for me in the beauty space, because I also kind of got a taste of PR in the fashion space at Maximera. And they're definitely different, but they have that same type of workflow. So it was really understanding how um, PR works, how quick paced it is, how that how relationship building is super important, and I think that I've been able to really use that skill. I think that's one of my long term skills is the relationship building, being that I do work a lot with influencers, I do work a lot in contracts and signing those partnership deals, crafting up what those deals and partnerships look like, what we need from them. And all of that is part of relationship building. So that's kind of really where I got the understanding about PR and how important that is.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then at Ralph Lauren, you were the VIP celebrity um, PR intern. What exactly is this role or this sort of department and what were you doing there?
1: Yeah, this one was really, really, really cool. Um, Another shout out to LIM because I found this on our job board um, for an internship. And it was a really cool opportunity. It's literally sounds crazy, but exactly what it is in terms of the celebrities would come in to get dressed for the red carpet or a shoe or something that they, are fit there they were going to. And I literally got to help with the PR and making sure that the items were there, the clothing pieces that they were gonna be there, setting up the fitting date, um, making sure that when the celebrity came in, them and their team had everything that they needed to have a great fitting um, and to kind of walk out feeling great about the outfit that they were gonna wear on their event or on the red carpet. So it was really, really cool seeing how um, Maybe it went from PR with Dolce & Gabbana and then being fragrances to how it is with a person and how that front facing part of the brand and the celebrity, um, I've been able to look up to a lot of cool people in that role because it's very hard. Uh, it's not easy and it's definitely um, very, you you really have to be a special type of person. A lot of people of in that high clientele are really relying on you to kind of make that connection between you and the brand. Having a pleasant experience then they're going to be kind of outside on stage being photographed and so you know then you're kind of the aftermath too you're getting the photos of the photographs from when they took the outfits You're making sure you get the product back that it looks nice and lovely and it can go back in the showroom um and that the celebrity has an amazing experience and wants to come back and then you know you check make sure the env and that return on investment looks nice from all the writers that covered it and that it's just a kind of that full loop 360 experience and then it's back to having a new celebrity and a new gown to, to show for the next season. So it was, it was really cool to see that part.
0: Mm-hmm. And you've had a lot of experience in PR and then in marketing. I was wondering if you could explain the sort of relationship between the two or how they're maybe different from each other.
1: Yeah, I'd say for marketing is they're the ones that's kind of building. They're building that the brand, the brand story. They're building out what a, the customer thinks about when they hear the brand name. Um, They're help crafting that and I think PR comes in to help elevate that voice. So PR is the one that's going out there and making sure that you are hearing about the products whether it's online, whether you picked up a magazine, whether it's a creator, whether you're listening to an editor speak or an editor write their piece, whether it's a blogger, whether it's a newsletter um, that's going out. They're making sure that that brand voice that the marketing team has developed and wants to be the staple of what the brand means to customers and consumers, PR is stepping in and making sure that that voice is heard. So I think cohesively they play well together. And I love the roles that I've been at. Um, We are able to kind of merge them. They sit very close together. I haven't been at any brand or company that where they're separated because that merge is totally necessary when you are telling that story or to when you're seeding out the product. Um, They make sure that every kind of outlook piece on the brand is exactly what the marketing team is hoping for and pushing exactly what the team is needing in order to have a successful brand business launch and and really ultimately strategies so
0: absolutely yeah i was also wondering if there's any difference that you've experienced in terms of the culture in fashion versus kind of a tech company like apple
1: i'd say for culture the culture of it all is just like beauties it's hard like it's a little hard it's a little tricky um You've got to be careful with what you say, how you say it. Products really need to be able to work for everyone. You will get caught out in a second if they don't. Um, And there's really little room for trial and error. Versus I feel with tech, you can grow, you can improve. You might have one product that might not work out, or you launch it and it's like, you gather that feedback, you take it back, you're like, all right, engineers, how can we make this better? This is what they're saying. This is what our competitors are doing. Let's come back bigger than ever, and, and new and improved, and thrive and i'd say versus with beauty it's a little trickier to do that um you really have to kind of come out the ground running and really really know your audience really know what you're pushing what they're looking for have a strong understanding of the the market what's out there what's performing well already what the competitors are doing what gen z wants to see i'd say that's definitely a big thing so I think that would be the difference in culture for me with them. I feel like tech, you've got that opportunity and chance to keep growing, keep thriving, keep it being innovative, keep inventing something new. And you have those early adopters that are really eager, those just tech hungry people or those that want to jump in. I mean, AIs taking over, NFTs, I mean, don't even get me started. So I feel like tech has been really carving out their space of like, we're here, we can be new and cool, but also have the opportunity to improve what might've not been working and make something even better. And it kind of be adopted and accepted a bit more quicker than it is with beauty, you know, you really gotta take a second. You can't just run out and try any moisturizer and end up breaking out, you know? So it's like, you've gotta take a little more uh, to task. I feel like with beauty, a little more distinct and, and know and kind of aware. As with tech, you kind of get a little bit more freedom to, to, to come out with something cool and then just innovate and updating. And, come back to be stronger and better than before. So,
0: Yeah, and of the people that you work with um, at Apple, what kind of backgrounds are they having? Like, are people coming from fashion and beauty in the way that you have, or are they coming from other industries?
1: Um, I'd say it's a bit mixed. I definitely see more of the other industries. I mean, people, there—they're everyone is so cool, so smart. I haven't met anyone I haven't been able to learn from, so it's a really blessed, awesome space to be in um and i think that's another reason why they thrive. They have all these amazing, cool, different minds that can come in and able to look at things differently and be like, "Hey, i see through this this kind of idea through this type of lens." And then boom, you know, you've already you're kicking off on something that you might have never thought about if it if everyone came from the same kind of package. So i think um i think that's so cool that they are all absolutely different. Like everyone is so cool, have their own expertise that they bring to the table. So um, just being in that environment alone too, it's been awesome. But that luckily that also exists in beauty, that exists in health, that exists in all these different industries. And I feel like that's why I love social. No matter what, I can fuse it to anything. I can fuse it to business. I have so many different TikToks accounts because I want my whole algorithm to be like only about new businesses and how they're shining on TikTok. So I love to follow new businesses and support them. Um, I have my own, so I'm like, so about like supporting small businesses, so I'll do that. Or I can jump into health and see what cool stuff they're talking about over there, what cool brands are coming out in that space. So I just feel like social allows just that growth for every industry to kind of just have that moment to shine and and everyone kind of have a piece of the pie. So I think that's cool. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and for you personally, how has your background in fashion and beauty kind of informed your perspective?
1: Yeah, it's definitely made me, I'd say, aware of like trends. I feel like beauty and fashion, there is a trend, there is a moment for everything. It's just kind of how we move through the world in, in terms of fashion and beauty, like it engulfs that. So I've been able to really apply that and being like looking at certain things. What I mean, there's, there's this whole thing about even when it's like, I think it's like if you're buying, if the price of lipstick has gone up and women are buying more lipstick, it's like how it triggers to the economy. That whole thing, like fashion and beauty has played such a a huge part in how the world kind of how women and and people just navigate through the world. And I kind of apply that. Like I, I look at you know, what part of, of the moment or the day or people's lives is this being infused into, you know, definitely in beauty when girls are getting up in the morning, that getting ready process or that refresh before a big meeting. So kind of just being able to apply those learnings, relationship building, some of them are are kind of that aren't fully dedicated to only being in fashion or beauty. But I think because I've crafted those skills in that space, and now I'm taking it to another, I feel like, to me, it, it ultimately does tie back to, to those spaces and how I look for influencers, how I kind of spot a trend, how I'd spot, you know, how people are using a, pro- a certain product. Like I know a lot of girls and I didn't even know this thing, but a lot of them use their eye creams on their hands and I had no idea. And I was like, that could be a cool story idea or, you know, TikTok idea for beauty. So I kind of apply that the same way um with beats or or with tech or anywhere that I am um I know I was looking at this one trend that's kind of more I think I've seen in like the UK and London but it's like how people think I exercise or work out versus how I actually work out and so kind of like oh that's a cool trend like how can we use that because this is somebody using the product or in a different scenario or in a different way and I never thought about using that and so I think just having that eye to look at different things look at smaller things differently to be able to be more creative. I mean, cause there's, you know, there's almost some things you can do with shampoo and conditioner, like, you know, so you have gotta be inspired by other avenues. So I feel like that's definitely um, been able to help me in this space to just be super creative and, and look for that creativity and inspiration in different avenues.
0: Yeah, and when people say social media marketing in 2023, what types of social media are included within that? And are there any particular platforms that companies are really paying attention to right now?
1: Yeah, for me, and I think the obvious answer is definitely TikToks and that creative relationship. Um, I think it's big if you, as a brand, are really crafting the creators that you are working with, making sure that they pair up well with the brand, but also the eyes, the ears, the engagement, the audience that is driven to TikTok. Um, I think it's exactly that sweet spot where a lot of brands are looking to be in. It's Gen Z. And you gotta go where they are, and they are on TikTok. And, you know, so it's really, I think that's the main space on top of a lot of brands' um, kind of eyes right now and radar in terms of just how quickly you are able to grow on TikTok versus other platforms is insane. Um, so, you know, you can have tremendous growth in months on TikTok versus other platforms like Instagram and Twitter, as we all know, takes a bit of time and effort and love and care to grow. And I'm not saying that same time Leftford and air doesn't go into TikTok, but you're much more able to um, get out content out there to tell your story, you know, it doesn't have to be so polished and clean, the best videos that perform the best are some of the most scrappiest videos on the platform. So I think it just opens up the platform itself just opens up a space for brands to really, really connect with the audience that they want, you know, they are trying to go to that for that gen z but also obtain you know the audience that they already have their millennials or their boomers or whoever they've already attached you know already already have on their side and they're trying to grow in i think TikTok's that nice spot where they both are and they're both are paying attention and they're both watching so for me i think that's where they're the brands are paying attention to and i think in social media marketing everybody kind of immediately goes to that to the influencers you know, content creation, brands pairing up, collabs, real Life things, relatable content. Um, I've read this thing called education, but like tainment was attached to the word. So it was like edutainment. I was like, what kind of word is this? But it's really fusing in education content um, with something that you actually want to listen to. So I'd say this, is um, if you ever see those like science channels where they're like, mixing things off the periodic table and making them blow up. But, you know, it's cool to watch, Which are also learning something. Or if it's an influencer explaining why um, certain sunscreen is better than others and they have a UV light and you're really seeing her apply it and like where you can tell where she's missed a spot or where it's covered and things like that. So really educating yourself. And I think this is a great spot for brands to play in right now too on TikTok because it is more, you're, you're guaranteed an audience that's willing to listen about how, why, your product does this, how it works, and why that matters to me. So, um, just so many doors open on that platform. So, for me, social media marketing is, is that storytelling piece, creators, and get on TikTok. 100% the number one space to be right now.
0: Yeah. And how has the landscape changed with the rise of influencer marketing and TikTok? Like, were you ever holding a social media marketing role um, kind of prior to the rise of those things?
1: Um, yeah, I was. Um, I definitely was in that forefront of when they weren't. Um, but it was, I would say then too, it was like, obviously a little easier um, because you're trying to kind of find out, all right. It was more about pictures too, right? Videos wasn't too much prioritized either. Um, And everything had to be super, super polished, super, super, you know, high def images and really pretty and planned out to like riding the wave of actually they want to see less of that and more videos and pictures that look natural. And um, so then it was kind of that wave of going through photo content to Oh, now we're kind of seeing these creators play a role. They're making cool content, posting them to then working with them. So it was really this like wave effect, I'd say. To before, all I was, all I was worrying about was engagement, pictures, posting constantly, a lot of up, you know a lot of posts going up through the week, community management, making sure we're responding back to a lot of people in the comments. And yes, that still might be a thing now, but I think now it's shifted to okay i i love my photo content but i pay way more close attention to video now you know so it's shifted in terms of the type of content we care about the type of content we push and and of course those influencers playing a role in whether they're beauty or whether they're athletes or you know whatever so i'd say for for me yes being in that space before was different because it was just about images you know it's about having a really pretty neat feed and I remember there'd be those rainbow feeds where they'd like start blue and then phase up to green and pink like we did that on Function of Beauty and I was like thought I was killing it you know so it's it's definitely shifted um in terms of just video content now is is top priority no matter what platform you're on Mm
0: -hmm. and when you're kind of developing a campaign could you walk us through the steps that are involved in that
1: Yeah, so I'd say it definitely probably starts with the ideation process. Um, I'd say, I'll speak for more of the social part once it comes to me. Um, So it's usually the, um, it's coming probably from, most likely for most companies from the marketing team of kind of, all right, this is the product or the uh, campaign that we're trying to push that's coming up. These are the key things we wanna make sure it is getting across to our audience. This is what we want to um, speak to. This is what we wanna present. And then more of the strategy about, uh, okay, like here's the timeline, here's the process of when things are gonna be coming in. Um, This is when we really wanna start. I then will go in and be like, okay, well, if this is when we're getting product, this is the story that we're telling. Let's start teaming up with the creative team. When are we building out the shoots? How can we get that started? What's the mood board gonna look like for the concept for the shoot? Um, Once we get in on the shoot, I kind of have my piece of the strategy in with the creative teams in terms of what are we shooting when we get on set? How many TikToks do we need? How many Instagram reels do we need? Am I shooting enough for stories? Do I have enough um, product lay down shots happening? Um, Let's make sure we shoot those and kind of gathering all the types of content that we will need to last throughout the campaign. And then I match my social calendar up with the brand social calendar. So IE, when is it going to be live on the website? Um, November 1st, well then I'll start the week before and I'll start teasing on August 20th. So I start getting our audience excited on Instagram. I start getting them excited on uh, Twitter. I might ask kind of questions throughout the week. You know, what's your favorite color? What do you think this means? Certain nods in the caption, Easter eggs throughout um, to kind of build up to that launch. And it's for us really having that full strategy laid out in terms of social of what posts are going up on which platform how, what type of content is going up, when we're posting and how we're gonna to continue to tell the story throughout the launch. Um, so those are kind of the things that we go in when it comes to developing that campaign from a social standpoint of once we've got the story, we got the product, we know what we're pushing and now I, my, it's up to me to have a strategy that incorporates those pieces. But i'm able to they're relying on me to flip that and make it into enticing content that will do well on our platforms that will shine light on the product ultimately bringing traffic back to site and ultimately making a sale at the end of the day so i'd say that's kind of the more of a social kind of perspective on how it comes for us building out a campaign um but i usually will start at the end of the timeline that we were given and work backwards i love to entice and excite and i think that's how you really get people um, ramped up. I think a good brand that just did a great job of it is Glow Recipe. I'm also biased because they are um, an old brand that I used to work for too. So um, in terms of like kind of freelancing in, in my older days in New York City. So I love them. I'm very biased, but they did an awesome job on um, a new product launch that they just had. So I think that's a, another cool part about, or another important part I should say about when you are building out that campaign, look at your competitors, see what they're doing. What are they up to? What are people getting excited about? How are they putting a spin on the launch? You know, um, I love Summer Fridays because I know when there's a new launch, it'll probably be like new merch. And so I can get excited about like, oh, my God, what are their cute hoodies going to look like? Or, you know, what's the packaging going to be and kind of get excited about it. And then I see, oh, these cool brands are doing this. Like, maybe we can take something like that and apply it to our strategy. So um, I'd say that's kind of like the process to kind of building out that that campaign strategy.
0: Mm -hmm. And you mentioned um, like having a social calendar. I was wondering how much of that is backed by kind of analytics and planning ahead and how much of that is also down to like your sensibility and understanding of kind of what people want, especially being as experienced as you are now.
1: Definitely. I'd say the calendar for us is definitely a spot to, besides, like you said, besides just planning, making sure we know what's going up, but also I leave space for more cultural moments, I like to call them. So I leave space for those trending sound videos on TikTok that I know I could probably make in five minutes and post it and get it up. That might not be something that we can plan for. Um, If... Kim Kardashian goes out again and she changes her hair blonde and there's a, you know, a cool kind of funny story going on. How can I turn that into a, a, a post or content or a meme? Because um, when I was at Just Fab on our page, you if you scroll down far enough, you'll probably see a lot of memes and stuff. I loved making those and just kind of joining in the conversation that was already happening on Instagram. So leaving space in the calendar for those timely moments, um, I think was really, really important um, and kind of also helps for those cool engagement boost of the week. If there's an award show coming up, then I'm gonna post that night about all the top looks that we loved. You know, if there's um, you know, Drake with his album cover and all those pregnant emojis, like that was fun. All right, let's do the pregnant emojis and change them to holding a, a shoe, you know, or something like that. So it was just like being able to have a space in the calendar for those moments, but also using the analytics part and knowing like, okay, I'm only gonna have in my calendar what I know or is gonna work well. Or has potential to work well and the only way to know that is by referencing those analytics and looking like okay what worked last month what didn't work what real should we do again what didn't what trending sounds were fun we should look for more like these and kind of use that as a kind of grounds and basis to kind of judge whether our content piece is going to perform well if it's check marking those boxes for me then i'm gonna be like all right let's get that scheduled let's get it in the calendar because it's more than likely guaranteed to be a performance win for us so i use that. Uh, yeah, kind of they all kind of equally play a part in the calendar. But I think it's important not to be too planned up in books. socials too timely, you never know what's going to go happen or go on. And then some days there might be moments like if there's a tragedy or something going on, you might not want to post you should probably shouldn't post we don't post if there's, you know, something severe happening, and it, it's um, affecting, you know, the United States or our world as a whole. And not posting and being um sensitive and aware of those moments and being aware of what we're writing in our captions how we're coming off things we're saying um not having you know taking political stances on certain things and just being very open very inviting for everyone to fill a safe space when you are on our accounts or on their pages um i always want everyone to feel welcome no matter what brand account i'm managing so being um careful there and being sure that you have that awareness when you are looking at certain things and I want to make sure that I I shine light to everyone. I love celebrating if it's AAPI month or if it's Black History Month or, you know, anything like that, Indigenous Month, we have to be aware of those moments and those timely manners too, Mental Health Awareness Month, and make sure that we are um, coming through for our audience in those spaces as well. So just kind of keeping those on your radar as well and making sure that you're um, keeping that as content opportunities as well. But a chance to show that like, yes, we're a brand, I know we have cool pictures, but at the end of the day, we definitely care and we wanna show those, you know, social media is all about showing that real side of you too, even though it's supposed to be that way, it's not always, but for brands, I'll say, we wanna show that real side of us. We wanna show that we care and that we're that we're we there with our audience. So just having those moments of awareness too.
0: And for the last question that I wanna ask you, it's sort of twofold. I was wondering why you've chosen to work in social media marketing, and maybe if you could share like your favorite and least favorite aspect about the space.
1: Yeah, I'd say, the, the reason why I did choose to be in social, it's funny because it kind of like fell in my lap. Um, my first job was at Hearst and um, I was in the fashion department as an intern and I wasn't crazy about it. And I was just like, but I want to be at Hearst. I want to be on the magazines. I was like, there's got to be something, um, a, maybe a cooler role or somewhere that I could still stay here, but do something that might challenge me or be a bit more at my alley. And there was a Twitter video specialist role that got sent to me. And I was able to kind of just go up to the higher floor interview and be able to be a Twitter video specialist, having no idea what that was, no idea what that meant. But I knew like, oh, I'm getting closer. I'm closer to the editors. I'm closer like to the shoots that are happening and not necessarily like kind of in the back, even though I was around beautiful clothes and shoes all the time, which was definitely awesome. But I really thrive to be on set and to be a part of the storytelling process. So it kind of fell in my lap, um, but I I love it. It allowed me to be at the forefront of anybody doing a social as a job at a company. Um, So I love it for that and just being able to create content. It's so fun. Working with these influencers is so fun. I love storytelling. I love bringing a brand and a product or an idea to life. It's the coolest thing to see something that you're working on and watch it blossom. It's just like to sit back and be like, wow, I made that. Or while wow, I did that, or I shot that um, is crazy to this day. My, um, I still feel that way when I go on Aisha Curry's page because she kept up the reels that we made for her that I made and thought of and, you know, strategized and edited and shot with her on set. So just like seeing that still live on her page is a very much, very cool high for me. So those are kind of the loves and and starts of why I even thought about social. But I think the only least favorite thing is you kind of got to be always on. You really got to know, like there could be, and I have thankfully a good balance of not getting too much of scrolling. I'm quick to not get on TikTok for a day or, you know, whatever and have that boundary. But you really got to, you know, know what's going on. Maybe not just not news wise, like, uh-oh, there was, you know, something happened in Texas. Let's not post today. But you also got to be like, okay, you know, there's Coachella coming up, Blackpink's headlighting. Do we got any cool tweets? Or like, what are we going to post? Who's going? Can somebody wear beats, you know, or something, you know, whatever. Can somebody have some function of beauty stickers on or something? How can we make this cool? How can we like amplify this moment? Um, So you really have to be always on. But I'd say that's probably the only thing. It could be hard to find a balance. But once you do, I think that, that becomes less of a of an issue. But I'd say that's probably the least um, favorite thing. <laughs> but other than that, overall, I love it. I think socials is a huge opportunity for any and anyone, no matter what kind of lane or field you like. If you like finance, there's so many cool finance TikTokers. Like I have one, I think she's like the I don't know if you follow her, but she's like the your rich girl BFF. Like she's amazing. And she delivers such awesome like financial content and like tips. So I think social allows any and everyone to like be a part of the pie. And so I like, I like being, being a part of something like that.
0: Mm -hmm. I think we'll end it there for this time, but thank you so much for coming to speak with me and share about your story.
1: Thank you so much.
0: If you enjoyed that conversation, please be sure to leave a review and stay tuned for the next episode.